Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, August 4th. Local health expert talks about COVID and monkeypox vaccines. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A teenage girl was sentenced yesterday on criminal charges in an attack on a black girl in Lakeside. The white 15-year-old was ordered to serve 120 days at Urban Camp, a juvenile rehabilitation facility. Last month, a judge found her guilty of assault with a deadly weapon and a hate crime in the April attack, and the victim's family says the sentence is not enough. A 16-year-old boy is also charged in that attack. His case is still pending. KPBS reached out to the district attorney's office about the case, but they declined to comment. SDSU football is about to embark on its 100th season, but allegations of rape by football players are casting a shadow over the program. Yesterday, the school's head coach, Brady Hoke, addressed the allegations just as fall camp started. Being a father myself and joined by others on the staff, uh, we will not tolerate this type of alleged behavior within our football program. Because of the active investigation, Hoke said he couldn't comment further. The alleged attack happened at an off-campus house party last October. A note, KPBS is a service of SDSU. As we head into the fall months, California faces increased wildfire danger across the state. To respond to the increased danger, Cal Fire San Diego said it added a new helicopter to its fleet. The helicopter will be exclusively used to fight wildfires throughout San Diego County. It will operate out of the Ramona Airport. Fire agencies expect higher than normal temperatures in Southern California through October. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. The new school year is around the corner, and San Diego County is still in the CDC's high transmission tier. Yet vaccination rates for the youngest kids remain low. Dr. Eric Topol with the Scripps Research Translational Institute says the numbers are concerning. So here we have these great vaccines that help protect children and, you know, all the people in schools and their their parents and families and their whole networks, and we're not using them. Our use of the vaccines in young children age 11 and all the way down to six months is just desperately low. I hope we can get on that. Omicron-specific boosters could be here as soon as next month, but Dr. Topo advises those who haven't been vaccinated or boosted not to wait for them and instead get it done now. And to make matters more complicated, another virus is demanding the attention of health officials nationwide. Earlier this week, San Diego County followed the state in declaring a public health emergency over monkeypox. Dr. Eric Topol spoke with KPBS's Jade Heidman about the monkeypox vaccine. The county declared a state of emergency amid a severe vaccine shortage. Do we know why this vaccine is in short supply and, and how exactly it's being distributed in the county? 
Right. Well, you know, we had a huge stockpile in the country. We just unfortunately let that expire, not knowing uh, that we we're going to see this virus uh, become such a big issue. Uh, the, the, the vaccines are made in Denmark, that they were actually helped by U.S. efforts, but we have to get them from Denmark. There's a, a profound shortage in the country. Hopefully that's going to be alleviated in the weeks ahead. But right now, um, that's certainly the main strategy. Uh, and it's just another catch up uh, like what we saw uh, occurred with, with COVID. The difference is at least there's effective vaccines that are in high production right now. Unlike COVID vaccine rollout plans, the monkeypox vaccines are being distributed to healthcare providers instead of being available in a central location. Uh, what do you think are the advantages and disadvantages of this approach? Well, you know, there's trade-offs, of course, as you're alluding to. Uh, any way we can get them out efficiently to the people that uh, really need them is is crucial. You know, our biggest bottleneck right now is just the number of vaccines. Hopefully the distribution plan won't be something that will hold things up. And uh, 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 just a question on my end, you know, um, just a couple of weeks ago, my child had hand, foot, and mouth, right? And uh, it scared me because I thought, oh my gosh, is this monkeypox? <laughs> and so I wonder from you, do you think that healthcare providers are doing a good enough job at actually identifying monkeypox cases? I think so. The awareness, of course, has been heightened so much in recent weeks. Uh, and I think, um, you know, there will be ultimately spillover to uh, children that already has been documented and where it got, got legs, that is, it got started among gay and bisexual men. Obviously, other groups have, are going to be affected. But the awareness is high. It's getting better all the time. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be in much better stead as these vaccines uh, uh, come in and, and, and we catch up. But no question, there's been significant outbreaks throughout the country. San Diego is not at all uh, distinct about that. And hopefully we're going to have much better reflexes than what we had uh, with COVID. That was Dr. Eric Topol, director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute in La Jolla, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heidman. South San Diego County is getting no immediate relief from the millions of gallons of sewage-tainted water flowing across the U.S.-Mexico border. KPBS reporter Eric Anderson has details. Mexican officials are still scrambling to fix two broken sewage pipelines in Tijuana's Matadero Canyon. The lines ruptured this past weekend, and that's resulted in more than 30 million gallons of polluted flows a day. The International Boundary and Water Commission's Morgan Rogers says there is significant erosion under the broken pipes, and it's not clear when they'll be fixed. I'd say we're still, we're still trying to figure out what the scope of work is and the schedule, but it could be a matter of this weekend or it could be a week later. Rogers says the sewage treatment plant is taking in most of the Tijuana sewage coming across the border in the Concrete River Channel, but the plant cannot effectively treat all that water. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Coming up, goats are now working for SDG&E. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. From North County to South County, you may have noticed herds of goats in open spaces. It's not a new petting zoo. As KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne tells us, these goats are actually working to help keep people safe from fires. Johnny Gonzalez has been in the goat business for over 20 years. His business is called the Environmental Land Management Company. But on the card, it says goats for hire because people didn't know what environmental land management did. So I had to get it out there that, yeah, we we uh, we rent out or you guys can utilize our goats for fire breaks. Lately, his goats have been grazing near busy roads, businesses and underneath power lines. And it's all part of a new pilot program from SDG&E. One of the cool things that I've heard people refer to them as is four-legged lawnmowers. Denise Menard is with SDG&E. As those four-legged lawnmowers can get up into areas that traditional lawnmowers just can't get into. Last month, the energy company kicked off a goat grazing pilot program in Oceanside. Uh, one of the last things that we want at SDG&E is for our infrastructure to ever cause a fire. So the cool thing is we're letting the goats kind of go out and do their thing and doing what comes natural to them, and that's to eat the weeds. The rented goats are taken to high-risk fire areas to clear out dry brush and keep it from growing back for longer periods of time. That not only do they eat the weeds, but they also eat the seeds. So that's one of the benefits that people don't think about. So a lot of times we have people kind of hanging out and watching the goats do their thing and they're eating the weeds, but they don't realize that they're also eating the seeds. So by eating the seeds, the weeds just aren't popping back up as quickly as they would if the seeds hadn't gotten eaten by the goats. Gonzalez says goat grazing for fire abatement isn't new and keeps him busy year round. The goat tool, if you will, is just a reintroduction to what abatement used to be like and reintroducing the goat to get that understory and flash fuel treatment to that better degree. But he explains that the work takes some time because weeds aren't the goat's favorite. They start eating first the invasive plants that they're used to, the Mediterranean, Eurasian, African plants. And then after time, if we need an amount of native plant reduction, we hold them a period of time that they start to actually address it. Because in our native plants, they eat last, believe it or not. And most of our fire problems are these weeds and grasses. Although it takes a little more time, Gonzalez says goats are an organic alternative that aren't just reducing wildfire danger, but carbon emissions too. It's a lot better than just cutting. You don't have the shaft and the duff laying around, they've literally converted it. You don't even notice it. And for the carbon aspect of it, it's all still on site. It hasn't been transported out. The nutrients are still in the soil, so the native plants, if they are to occur, have what they need. And there is no seeds. The goats remove like 99% of the seeds. Gonzalez says once the goats are done, the land is in better shape to suppress a fire. We want the trees and the landscape to be the fire break. This is allowing the land to be the suppression. And if it reaches this area, it'll be quenched out. If it falls into this area, it does not have a starting ignition point. Safety concerns are sometimes raised by residents who spot them in suburban areas. But Gonzalez assures the goats don't mind this element. 
These goats have been born and raised in this, this type of environment in these suburbs, so they're used to helicopters and sirens and police cars coming in, people screaming and other dogs barking. If we were to take the country goat here, they wouldn't be comfortable at all. SDG&E has used Gonzalez's goats in Oceanside and Chula Vista to clear brush near power lines. The next site will be in Escondido. Upon completion, SDG&E will determine whether the pilot program is adopted and continues. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. The Padres' newest all-star made his first appearance at Petco Park yesterday. KPBS reporter Melissa May describes how having Juan Soto is great for the local economy. Soto found out that he was officially a Padre Tuesday afternoon and is slated to play against the Colorado Rockies. Soto will not only influence how other teams pitch to the Padres, but he can also have an influence on the downtown economy as well. Anna DeCipio is the bar manager at the Blind Borough and knows businesses better during a Padres game. Significantly higher on a game day. I mean, there's a line out the door. We sell so much. Non-game day is much more chill. It depends on if there's conventions in town, if there's a concert or what. But if there's nothing going on, pretty quiet. And then a home game day, just totally crazy. According to the San Diego Union-Tribune, what was projected to be a crowd around 35,000 for Wednesday night's game increased to a sellout crowd when it was announced that Soto was making his debut. Melissa May, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com.